This is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Cloth. This was my sermon from February 6, 2022, titled, Thanks God. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he, he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. When I was a kid, I loved this story. Not for what you think. I think all of us automatically think, well, Josh is going to say because they went fishing. No, it was because of all the little weird nuances that are in this story. You all remember the videos and, and things of that nature, like when Elvis Presley would leave a hotel. There was a mob waiting for him as he left the building, right? That's where the phrase Elvis has left the building came from. Well, and Elvis would leave, and these, this whole mob would follow him, and it was really hard to get him into the car so he could go to his next destination. Police would get involved, and sometimes National Guard, just to protect him. When the Beatles would go to places, there, this mass exodus of people would follow them to the point where, you know, you couldn't get away from this mass of people. In, in these images that we have, we, we think of famous people where crowds of people huddle to hear just their very words or their musical talent. Jesus is a rock star in this story complete with the long hair and everything. He comes walking to the shores of Gennesaret, and as he walks over there, there's this mass group of people that have followed him there. And he sees some boats. And he gets in one of them and says, uh, I need you to take me away from shore. 
Now, I, in my head, because I'm an introvert, the first thing that pops in my head is, I'm trying to escape the crowd. But instead, he gets on his floating stage. And he starts to speak to the people. Now, we don't know what that sermon was. All we know is, is that they were moved and changed. And as the story progresses, Jesus tells him to go out a little bit further. And we assume that the audience is just sitting on the side of the shore waiting for him to come back. And you know kind of the rest of the story. Jesus tells him to put the nets in the water. And, and Peter, I mean, let's be honest. You, you hear it. He says, oh, Master, I've been doing this all night long. I really, you want to hear the next part of it, right? I just want to go to bed. Now, this part is important, not because of the exhaustion. Blame it on the fact that I'm in this class for my doctorate. This, this, this idea of talking about the Roman uh, Empire and the truth about the way that we read this scripture. You see, what the part we don't understand is, is they were not out fishing for recreation. This was their job. If they came back to shore without any fish, that meant people went hungry. That meant that they would have no money to support their own family this week. And the fact that he was up all night long was the part of the story that's the most important. Because he kept fishing and fishing, not to take care of himself. We read this story wrong all the time. I've heard it preached. Well, you've got to just throw it on the other side. No, no. You need to look at it in the sense that Simon is doing this fishing to take care of his family and the community that he lives in. So when this strange duck gets on his boat, the fact that he didn't push him off is, is a miracle. And then on top of that, to listen to him, to take him out in this little boat, and to go out into the water, and this guy has the audacity to say, listen, I know more than you. Throw your nets into the water. That's the exasperation you hear from Peter. Master, I've been at this all night long. I don't think he said, I want to go to bed. It's more like, no offense, but you're a carpenter. But then the story gets better. Not only does Simon Peter throw the nets into the water, they get overflowing. Now you see, the fact that the nets were breaking is the part you need to pay attention to. If that net broke, that meant that Peter was without a job. If the boat was starting to sink, it meant that his boat, as it sunk into the water, meant that no one or anything could save Peter except for God. And the most beautiful part is the illustration that God's overpowering love is so powerful that it even overcomes, overcomes the desires of the empire. So much so that your nets will be overflowed. You will start to sink. You'll, see, you'll find yourself without breath. But the love and compassion that God gives to you, God will outgive the Roman Empire every day of the week. That's the message that they hear. 
Now, it gets interesting, because Luke does this kind of brilliantly. I, I love Luke. Uh, you all know I love Mark more than anybody. But let's just say we stick with Luke for today. In Luke, he kind of puts James and John in this story. Remember in Matthew, he kind of finds Simon Peter, and then he finds James and John. Not in the same story. And in Luke, James and John are partners with Simon. Did you catch, catch that? And so he calls them. Simon's like, come on, we need help. Because think about it. All of this excess that they have means that everyone gets fed. Everyone gets fed. And if we can work together to take this bountiful blessings and feed it to the masses, everyone survives today. It's awesome. I mean, when you read scripture in that way, all of a sudden it changes its complete and total meaning. It is a metaphor for God's love and compassion. And it is a message of calling. And then Peter does, or Simon does this weird thing. He acts like a prophet. He almost verbatim quotes Isaiah. In the midst of the nets overflowing and breaking and realizing that they could die, but they're not. But they could die. What does Peter do? He gets down on his knees and says, Woe is to me. I'm a sinful man. Just like Isaiah did. And in the process of the story, he gets to the very end. (laughs) Peter does the unthinkable and says, here am I, Lord. Send me. Now, we always hear this as the idea of the fishers of men. But let's talk about this for just a second, about these roles of Simon, Peter, James, and John. There's no list of qualifications of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's no job description here. It's just, there's not even a character reference or even listing their potential. It's just, these are people, human beings, just like all of us. And Jesus kind of walks along and picks them. Then there's this weird place that this calling happens in the daily grind of their work schedule not in church that final verse here I am Lord and then there's that (coughs) call to discipleship that does not include what we would expect to hear like we hear in Matthew right the phrase come and follow me it's not there in Luke Instead, Jesus commissions them for kingdom service by saying the phrase, catching people. (coughs) And finally, the call to discipleship requires a reversal of priorities, a reordering of commitments. The disciples left everything, unlike those in Nazareth and Capernaum, and they followed him. In the New International Bible, it says, the last word in Luke's story is Jesus. He will order their lives from now on. (coughs) This should speak to us. 
We've said these phrases. We have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. We find this often in times in life, our life where it seems fruitless. We're just spinning the wheel. I hear that a lot, actually. We just kind of find ourselves just doing our daily grind, expecting different results or expecting nothing to happen. We just kind of keep walking along our path and never even see Jesus jump into our boats. And in times of that darkness, that's when God shows the greatest light. It's in those moments of darkness <coughs> that God speaks to us louder. In previous parts of this cat of the Gospel of Luke, people are amazed, but they keep it all to themselves. Here in this passage, these people, Simon, James, and John, leave everything. And then all of a sudden, we get this idea that when they come to shore, they join the mass that follows Jesus from place to place as he continues to preach in the Jesus rock star book. <coughs> it's kind of awesome when you think about it. It's also a little bit terrifying Obviously, Luke knows something of the Hebrew Bible. He basically quotes Isaiah verbatim. Somehow, in the, in the midst of this moment, we also have to be reminded of Psalms 138, where the leader says, uh, where, where the psalmist writes, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the God, I sing your praise. The psalmist also says, I bow down toward your holy temple. Look at what Peter did inside the boat. He bows down to Jesus, the temple, and gives thanks for his name. He recognizes that the fish overflowing in the nets is the example of God's love and compassion for all of God's people. And then the psalmist says, On that day I called, and you answered me. You in increased my strength of soul. And this is where it gets cool. The psalmist then says, and if you're wondering where it is, it's your call to worship in the bulletin. It says, all the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the works of your mouth. What is it that Jesus was doing on the boat? Preaching a sermon that we never hear, but something that's resonated with us for 2,000 years. The psalmist also recognizes the struggle that Peter, or Simon, James, and John are going to face. And you hear this proclamation of asking for help. When he says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. And he looks up to the heavens and says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. So we have a challenge here. 
There's lots of places that you could fit yourself into this story. For some of you, you might be a part of the huddled masses sitting on the sides of the shore, listening to Jesus from a great distance, but feeling as though you have no purpose other than just to hear the word of God. You participate in the mob mentality, which the church in the first century would have known. Not that there's anything wrong with hearing the voice of God in the midst of Jesus as a voice of comfort in a world of pain and suffering. Maybe you find yourself as somebody in the boat. Maybe you're Simon, James, or John. Maybe. Maybe you're the net maker. We always forget that part of the story. Maybe you're the net maker. Maybe you're the one that is the one catching the fish. Maybe you're the boat (laughs) carrying people along this journey of your faith. However you find yourself, you hear the, the psalmist's words. Simone Weil is one of my favorite theologians, and they write this this moment in a book called Waiting for God. It says, the soul has to go on loving in the emptiness, or at least go on wanting to love, though it may only be with an infinitesimal part of itself. Then, one day, God will come to show God's self to this soul and to reveal the beauty of the world to it. It's in those moments when you're walking along life's journey and you feel something tugging you, allow God to guide you in that moment. Allow God to make you a part of the bountiful blessings passed out for all people. So in that moment, we can proclaim with a loud and glorious voice, thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.